So Father, um, we're excited about you, we're excited about who you are, and uh, I pray for more fire in us today, truth fire, love fire, Holy Spirit fire, and uh, that you would bump up inside of us and crack open some things in our minds that need to be cracked open, and uh, Holy Spirit, just ask you to put some truth pressure from the inside out on us today. Um, amen. So I, I usually have a goal of um, helping you think, making you think. Um, I, what I feel this morning is I, I'm joining with the Father and trying to blow some, something to the inside of you that will create pressure on the inside of you that will poke your brain so that your brain starts to think some different thoughts. Does that, does that make sense? So I want to, like, I'm speaking to your spirit man, because you're all spiritual people here, uh, but we would need our minds, because the mind of the natural man resists the thing of the spirit, so we need our minds to align with at the reality that actually is true about us. So uh, I have a title which... Um, Probably for some of you straight away, something will stiffen up on the inside of you, but um, that's okay, just, just get over that, because the title doesn't mean what you think it means, and what's coming at you isn't what you think is going to come at you. So the title is, The Joy of the Lord is Your Strength. The Joy of the Lord is Your Strength, and we even have a scripture that says that. In fact, there's going to be quite a few scriptures as we roll through this. And the reason people tighten up when, when people like me stand up and talk about that as a title is they think, oh, it's just going to be another message on I should be happier than I am as a Christian. You know, like, where's, where's the joy? Come on, guys. Let's get happy. Let's kind of, let's fake it till we make it. Let's, let's do something so it looks like we're joyful because the joy of the Lord is our strength and uh, so if we can pull up uh, Nehemiah 8 verse 10 I'll just give you a little bit of context for the statement so this is a crucial turning point in the life of Israel um, Nehemiah has rebuilt the walls of the, of the derelict city but the people have really wandered away from the Lord they've wandered away from the law of God which is the covenant they're in and, and they set up this platform, and Ezra, the Bible teacher, teaches them. And as they're hearing, the people are getting sadder and sadder because they're realizing how far they have gone from their devotion to the Lord and, and keeping his ways and so on. And they start to weep as they hear this. And then we get this little section. If, if we've got it, it'd be great to Nehemiah 8, 10, I think it is. 9, 10, around there. 8, 10. And... and so they're all kind of getting pretty mournful and upset about their condition. And the leadership says, oh, here we go. So this bit just says what I've just said. Keep going. And verse 10. Beautiful. So Nehemiah's the leader. He says, go and enjoy choice food and sweet drinks and send some to those who have nothing prepared. This day is sacred and you know, there's something in our culture that's sacred has this sort of hushed, slightly, 
This is a sacred moment. Nobody make a move. Nobody say a thing. And he says, go drink some nice wine. This is why I like this verse. And uh, this day is sacred. Do not grieve. All right, so they're getting, grief is weighing them down as they're hearing about their condition. Do not grieve because, sorry, go back up, please. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Go back up to 10. The joy of the Lord is your strength. He knows that actually transformation doesn't happen from a place of grief. Transformation doesn't happen from a place of condemnation. But actually transformation, the radical transformation they're looking for, is sourced in a different place. And, and often when we, when we read these scriptures and, and, and others, others like it, the mistake we make is we think that it's our joy that makes us strong. And so you could be sitting there today and listening to me and thinking, oh, here we go, there's a message on joy. And actually what this scripture says is it's his joy that makes you strong. And the, the issue is accessing that, not trying to stir up something in us. And the next question that comes to mind is, how, how, when you say the word God or Heavenly Father, what leaps into your mind about him in terms of what he feels, thinks and acts towards and about you? So, I oh don't no, shut your eyes for a moment. I'm going to say the word dog. Okay, something's going to appear in your head. Maybe the last dog you saw, maybe a dog you owned, maybe a dog you have. Then I say a dog with big floppy ears. Then you're going to see maybe a different dog than the first one. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay, none of you shut your eyes. You're really not this very obedient crew. But if I, yeah, thanks, Nick. So I can rely on our leadership team to be in the groove. It's great. So, but do the same with God. You know, what leaps into your head when that word comes at you? I mean, like, wow, that's a big word, isn't it? God. <clears throat> because to understand the joy of the Lord is to understand the Lord. Jesus was praying for us and and John 15, he said, these things I've spoken to you that my joy may be in you. Remember again, it's his, not yours. My joy may be in you that your joy could be full. (laughs) Notice the progression. My joy is in you so that your joy could be full. So as we connect to, receive, imbibe, live out of the joy that is his, suddenly it becomes ours. But it's that way around. And what that also tells us is that Jesus is extremely joyful. And and we do know, because we've said it many times here, that Jesus is the exact representation of, of the Father. We, we, the last time I spoke, we read out of John 1 1. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And the Word was Jesus. 
So Jesus is everything God has to say about himself with nothing left out and nothing inserted that's not required. Jesus is the, lo- the Greek word is logos. He is, he's actually literally, Jesus is the logic of God. He's God explained. He's God fully revealed. All the information, all the data, all the revelation there is to have about the Father is exhibited completely and thoroughly through the Son. So if he says, my, my joy is in, can be in you, he's saying, one of my, my supreme characteristics is that I am joyful and therefore the Father is joyful because the logic of God is rooted in happiness. So there's, so John 1, 1, it says, actually another way of translating it is that the, in the beginning was the Word and the Word was God and the Word was with God is literally that the, they were face to face, so God was face to face with himself. Jesus was face to face with the Father in all eternity, forever. So God is, is one, but he's also three, and in that union, in that union, Something is going on. And Jesus just told us something about what's going on. He said that my joy will be in you. And if he has it, then it's in their union. Are you, are you understanding me? If it's in him, it's in the Father. If it's in Jesus and in the Father, it's in the Holy Spirit. And something at the core of reality is being touched here as we talk about this. So... King David has this amazing um, experiences of God which he, he talks about in the Psalms and you read the explanations and the, and the revelations that he has in worship and singing and, 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 and his encounters with God are profound and, and deep and he says, he says this about the presence of God. He says, in, in his presence is fullness of contemplation. No, he doesn't. He says, in his presence, in, in the presence of God is fullness of joy. This is not what David is bringing to it. This is what David is experiencing as he encounters the fullness of the presence of God. Is this making sense? So he's, he's saying, in his presence is fullness of joy. <laughs> At his, his right hand are pleasures forever. Lots of people, either in church or not in church, don't think that the first thing you touch when you encounter God is pleasure and joy. And lots of us don't think that the first thing we're encountering God when he thinks about us is a smile on his face. saying so we get a bit of an insight into the father son thing because Jesus Jesus is 100% God and then God says we son we have a problem so he becomes 100% man and man and God join in one body in one place in time and space and Jesus Christ walks the earth and he has a baptism And as he comes out of the water in his baptism, there's a voice from heaven that says, this is my son 
whom I love and in whom I'm well pleased or in whom my soul delights. And later on, he takes a few of his friends up a mountain and he's transfigured before them in a blaze of light and a cloud comes over the top and the father says, this is my son in whom is all my delight, in whom is all my pleasure. Is another way of saying this, listen to him. So here's the father saying, here's my son, he is delightful to me, he is the apple of my eye, he is my favorite, he is my pleasure, he is my desire, I celebrate him. Now these are God's emotions about the son. Hello? These are not his thoughts, oh I really think Jesus is great. No, he feels, this is, the words here are about his Delight. Delight is more than a thought. Delight is an experiential reality. God delights over his son almost so much, if you can imagine this, that out of heaven bursts his voice that people standing around can hear it. He's boasting on Jesus to the crowd. He's saying, this is my kid. I think he's amazing. I'm so thrilled about him. I'm excited that he's my son. I delight in him. And you think, well, yes, but it's deep. Well, it is deep. It's to the core of the very being of our Creator. If God wasn't happy, you wouldn't be here, and neither would I. I'm going to do this. If sex wasn't fun, how many kids do you think would actually be born? all sit well I'm in church I couldn't possibly comment no hang on <laughs> let's go back to a verse just to make you feel safer here we go back to Psalm 16 11. in his presence is fullness of joy uh, I, I went back to the Hebrew because I'm like what is this what is this saying what 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 can we put more language on what's in his presence and, and this is what I what I found is that the word joy means gladness, mirth, gleeful as in festivity. So in God's presence there is fullness of gladness, mirth. It's a bit of an old word, isn't it? Mirth. But this is, I'm not putting this on you guys. This is what's happening in God, all right? There is gladness, mirth, and glee to the point of festivity. And he talks about how he rejoices over us, like he rejoices over the sun. He rejoices over us. And there's a whole bunch of words about rejoice, but one of the things that describes God's approach to us is bright, cheerful, and glad. He has great delight great desire and great pleasure in the Son as much as he does in us. Are you with me? I'm putting a bit of pressure on the inside here. So God is like, whoa, Jesus, you're amazing. Party time. That's my translation of festivity. Is that, is that okay? Is that legitimate? So what's happening What's happening? Here's Jesus. He's, he, he's saying, I want to give my joy to you. I want the joy that's in me to be 
in you so that yours will be full. You get mine and then yours will get filled up, okay? And he's saying, there he is, he's standing, he's just come out of the water. The father says, this guy's amazing. He's my son. I have great delight in him. I have pleasure in him. And then a bit later in the story, in case you forgot, I think Jesus is groovy if you're in the 70s. And this is God speaking about the son. And what you have to realize is the son didn't come into being at a point in time. It, like, it didn't, we got to know about him in John chapter 1 or Matthew chapter 1 or whatever, but, and 2,000 plus years ago now, but God knew about him forever because the nature of God is that he is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He always is, always has been, and always will be. He was, and he is, and he is to come, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and they never have an off day. The festivity in the heart of God towards the Son has been grooving along for all forever. They, it literally says in Zephaniah 3.17, when God's speaking about his emotions for us, that he spins around over us under the influence of a powerful emotion. And he's spinning around over us is an example of what he does over his sons and daughters. So if you can just sort of backtrack a little bit, imagine the Trinity not as some somber church service sitting in pews waiting for the Father to speak from the front. But imagine the best party you could ever have with the three of them in the room and they are letting their hair down if they have hair. They are thrilled about each other. They are partying. They, the presence of the other makes the other glad. The presence of the other makes the other happy. The presence of the other delights the heart of the Father. The Father's heart is delighted in the Son. The Son only wants to please the Father, and they want to look after the Holy Spirit. So you can sin against the Father and sin against the Son and be forgiven, but Jesus said, don't sin against the Holy Spirit. We're looking after Him. They honor Holy Spirit. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'll do that another time. So, so just forget about us for a minute. They're having fun in our language. They are celebrating one another. God's delight is basically in himself to absolute fullness in a way that is difficult for us to comprehend. He is so thrilled at being him. And he's so in love with the different parts of himself. So God is love, but love looks like something. Love looks like delight. Love looks like pleasure. Love is not a cold, passionless decision. Love is passion. Love is fervor. It's fire. It's something that makes you do something. Love births things. Love creates things. Love breaks out of boxes. Love says, this delight is so good, we have to share it with other people. We've been, we've been boogieing Father, Son, the Holy Spirit for all eternity. It's time to get some other people in the party. Let's make a universe. So they say, that's a great idea. That would be the most fun ever to make a universe. So, well, we're God. We can do that. How do we do it? We just say, let's have a universe. 
So one day in the celebration that is heaven, they go, we want to create a universe that we're going to put other people in and we, our goal is they get to be in the joy with us. They get to feel the love. They get to be caught up in the dance. They come into heavenly realms that we embrace them and they embrace us and we boogie on together because it, it just would be selfish to keep this to ourselves. <laughs> love blows out. Love grows out. Love expands. It creates. It, 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 it seeks with determination the object of its desire. And then... So he makes the universe and he sticks the stars in the sky and he makes a planet and he sticks Adam and Eve on it that look like him. Let us make man in our image. Remember, it's plural in Genesis 1, 1. Male and female, he created them. And they're looking at them and they're looking at them and they go, wow, look, they look just like us. And it says of them that they were Okay. No, he doesn't. He says it's very good. He looked at what he made. He said it was good. And he looked at these two and said, this is really good because they look like us. He said, this is, you're made in our image. People, we're made in the image of God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Man, woman together represent the very nature of the Creator who's been partying forever. And the plan was party on dudes. The plan was increase, fulfill, overwhelm, subdue, multiply, give birth over and over and over. So the whole planet is looking like lots of kids of Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Only it went wrong. They kind of, oh, they fumbled the ball. Why did they fumble? Because they had a choice. He's not a control freak. That makes him even more amazing. You have to do what you're told. If you don't do it, I'm going to chain you to the right tree. You can only eat that tree because I'm going to chain you to it and never let you go because you're too precious to me to let you go. No, he says, you're free. I made you like me, therefore you have to be free. If you're not free, you're not like God. You have to have the ability to choose. If you're controlled by him, you're not like him. So they're like, oh, we're free. Look, there's a nice tree. He said don't eat it, but I'm sure he didn't mean it. Whoops. But the father loves his kids. And he set about, he already had this thing in train, which was how to create voluntary celebration, union, communion, fellowship and intimacy with billions of people. So the Father, Son and Holy Spirit already had a plan. They didn't go, oops. They already had a plan, which was Jesus was going to come. And the sneaky bit of the plan very sneaky plan was that Jesus was going to come like one of the fallen ones. Are you with me still? We're kind of on a journey, hold tight, it's going to get better. 
It can only get better. Things can only get better. So we're in a hole, we're in a trash can, we're in a mess, we're in, and the hole seems to just be getting bigger and dirtier all of history. He has a plan. So Jesus seems to volunteer to be the Father's representative and totally represent him. And he says, yeah, Dad, I'm going to go and I'm going to take all of us-ness and I'm going to join it to all of them-ness. Now remember, all of them-ness is, it actually says in John 1 that he came, the word became flesh, sarks, and dwelt amongst us. He, actually, the Apostle Paul says, he became sinful flesh. Okay, remember God, holy, pure, powerful, mighty, the God who's sustaining, who made the universe and is still sustaining it by the word of his power, who's having a great, wonderful, celebratory, beautiful time in heaven, says, you know what, I'm going to join all my beautiful, awesome, powerful holiness to sinful flesh. That messes with your brains. I'm not, going, I'm not going to say to them, you need to come up a little bit. You need to come up a little bit. You know, you guys dropped the ball. You were the ones in the garden, and you messed it up. You need to come up a little bit, and then maybe I'll join myself to a slightly improved version of you. No, he came down into our lowly estate. He came down into exactly who we were and where we were, which was messed up. And he lived 100% as God inside 100% sinful man flesh. Because he wanted us back in a party. He loves us. God so loves the world that he gave his only son. (laughs) Somehow in this great mystery, he came. And he fully represented the Father. But what he was doing, the sneaky thing, he was setting up camp inside of us. Well, I'm just going to try and find God. Too late, he already found you. Now you can find him who's already found you, but he already found you. I don't think God said to Adam, where are you in the garden? Because God was lost. Just, just want to say you're doing really well. We've actually got a long way in the time we've had. So pause, take a breath. Congratulate yourselves on doing so well. And the person next to you, give them a... So the atmosphere of heaven is so powerfully hope-filled and joyful and that sorrow and sighing disappear in its presence. So if you read Isaiah 35 or there's another chapter in Isaiah or right at the end of the book in Revelation where it talks about the new heaven and the new earth, 
one of the things that disappears as the presence of God is fully manifest, as heaven is fully manifest, is tears are wiped away, sorrow disappears, brokenness is gone because of the powerful presence of the celebration and the light that is heaven, the light of life. It's another word that the Bible uses. Jesus was the light of life. He came to give us life and life abundant. The light came into the darkness and the darkness couldn't overcome it. <laughs> so, just kind of recapping just a sec, with, with a product of the joyful delight and pleasures that God has in himself. And which he continues to feel and express towards you and I. Which is why God so loved that he sent. And he sent to sinful men, not improved men or women. Are you with me? He wasn't looking for us to fix it because there was 2,000 years of old covenant which proved we couldn't. And probably the main proof needed to be to us that we couldn't. He already knew. So the old covenant sets the stage, which is, we are in deep doo-doo. We need help from heaven. He gave us laws we couldn't keep them. He gave them prophets. We killed them. We still have this desire to connect with heaven. But every time he comes up, he tells us a plan. We can't make it. What the Old Testament tells us is human effort is flawed and we need a saviour. And we need a saviour who doesn't look for us to improve first but comes and invades us and dwells with us in our brokenness, in our darkness first. So I'm trying to say we're the product of the love and joy that's the very heartbeat of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And they have a plan to embrace us back into the fellowship, fun, celebration that they have amongst themselves. They're not giving us a downgraded version. Their desire was, is, and always will be that you get in on their party. Not a diluted version. The only, it's the only party in the cosmos worth being in. So Jesus came to our sinful, fallen, broken estate and joined himself as 100% God, representing and connected to the Father. Now, he never separated from the Father. It wasn't suddenly not a trinity. See? The trinity wasn't put on pause while Jesus walked the earth, which is why he, he always knew what the Father was doing. and He lived in fellowship with the Father 
And that's pretty awesome in itself that he would come and be in sinful flesh. But then he submits to the horrors of the cross and all the build-up to what was the cross. See, this sneaky plan is that he's boring right down into the darkest places humanity can invent and he's setting up the light in the darkness and the darkness cannot overcome it. So he says, I've got 12 guys, these are my friends, we've ate together, slept in all these funny places over these last three years, you're my friends, and he submits to the betrayal of one of them. Then he submits to the anger and the vitriol and the rejection of of the Pharisees, the religious establishment that's going after him, gung-ho. He says, okay, you can have me. I give my, Jesus volunteered, they they were never in control, although they thought they were, but he submitted himself to the worst anger, envy, and vitriol that religion could throw at him. And then the Romans, they were were pretty brutal as a a culture, and they invented this thing called a cross, which was, was actually one of the worst torture machines men have ever come up with. He submitted himself to being whipped, And literally people would die during that process. I think it was 39, it was 40 lashes less one. And the reason it was less one is most people did die if you gave them all 40. They were just holding back to keep a breath of life in the accused. This is Jesus submitting to the worst stuff humanity could serve up. And he's getting deeper and deeper into our darkness to set up his light. Because light came into the world and the darkness couldn't overcome it. He brought the party to us. He brought the delight to us. He brought his love to us. He brought his celebration. He brought his union with the Father to us. So here he is being whipped. Here he is on the cross. And here he is still in Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Here he is, the maker of heaven and earth and sustainer of heaven and earth, dying to get on the inside of the darkness. So the trouble when you talk about joy to people, it's like, well, you don't know my life. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've had to get through just to be sitting here staring at you with a smile on my face. You don't understand me. And That's probably true, but there is somebody who does, and he set up his tent of light right inside your darkest place. He's camped out on the inside of you. If you ever said, Jesus, I want you in my life, boom, he's there. Now you may, be, you may be in a difficult place, you may be full of dark thoughts, but the light is inside you and your darkness will not put it out. He doesn't just understand our difficulty, our suffering, he submitted to all of it in the worst possible way so that he could camp out inside of it. So that he could plonk life and joy and celebration and union with the Father right in the center of humanity in the center of you and me when we say Jesus is alive it's true but he didn't just rise 
to be with the Father, he rose inside you. He took you to a cross, he killed you, he raised you up again so that he could get on the inside of you and he'll be there forever. Do I just feel so bad? Probably so. But how could that ever be true for me? Because it just is. But, but I, I don't see it yet. I don't feel it yet. Well, let the internal pressure of the teacher, the Holy Spirit, put pressure on your brain that says, God must be far away because my life sucks. God came and has pitched his tent inside of a life that sucks. Jesus doesn't love you just from a distance. He doesn't just love you in history where he died on a cross for you, which we celebrated this morning. He doesn't just love you in the future where he's going to welcome you into heaven. He loves you right now with a passion so deep and strong it's difficult to describe and it's inside of you. And he's never going to let you go. No matter how difficult, dark or strange it may seem around you, the one who makes sense of it all, who celebrates you, is right there. You know, it's fun when you find out that on your worst day, he really celebrates you. If you don't know what you're talking about, I had a bad week. Well, he celebrated you all week. Well, you know, I had a bad month. Well, he celebrated you every second of every day of every week of the whole month. Well, you know, I've been alive a long time. I had a lot of bad days. Well, he celebrated you and is celebrating you on every single one of those days. Because the joy of the Lord is on you, is towards you. His pleasure and delight is in you. Well, I screwed my life up. His pleasure is on you. His delight is in you. Well, maybe I'll have a better day tomorrow. You know what? That would be awesome but he still delights in you the same as he did on a bad day. Well, I just want him to enjoy me more. Well, that would be hard. Yeah. Or about my sin. Doesn't that get me away from him? No, he came and joined you in it. I don't mean he did it with you, but he came and joined himself to broken, sinful people. So he lit the light in you so that actually you begin to change from the inside out, not the outside in. Separation never produces holiness. All this idea, if I just get holier, I can get nearer, is crap. You'll never get motivated to be holy if you think you've got to work to get there to get him. What we need to know is he found us just where we were. And he set up camp in our hearts just as we were. And whatever darkness we had, whatever darkness we're in, whatever darkness may come upon us, his light 
his life, his celebration, his joy will not overcome it. And he, through his sneaky plan, rescued the fumble and brought us back into the embrace of the fun and celebration and the joy and the love that is Father, Son, Holy Spirit together. Not a different kind of fellowship, not a modified, reduced, lesser than. We're in the delightful journey of discovering the delight that he has in the Son and the delight that the Son has in us and delight that the Father has in us and delight that the Holy Spirit has in us and he's super sneaky in the way that he lets you know of his delight. And I'm so excited that I've got two minutes left. I'm so excited. Just. It's difficult to keep delighting in God Eventually, if you believe in separation, you will burn out. And that is where many Christians are. Because they've been trying for intimacy, been trying for acceptance, the thrill of the embrace of the loving Father for all their Christian experience, and it's not working. The reason it's not working is because it's not true. Why climb a mountain you're already up? You can't put more air in a tire that's already full. he's connected to you forever he's in you forever and you can run out of trying to delight in the one you think you're supposed to delight in but nothing fires you up when you're finding out that he's delighting in you and then you start to delight in him a little bit and then he delights in your delight in him And then you delight more in his delight in you. And you delight in his delight in you. And he delights in your delight in him. And off we go into a delightful, festive party, which is the gladness and joy of the Holy Spirit. So you have to know he likes you. You have to know he celebrates you. You just have to let that explode on the inside of you that God really loves me, even in my messiest state. He thinks I'm awesome and he's having a party. Remember, the prodigal, he came home messy, squandered all the money. The first thing the father does is have a party. The lost coin, he looks for the coin, it was his, and it was valuable. But that actually hurts. So there's him and her in God. The lost sheep, he goes looking, he takes the initiative to find you in the bush. Nothing can separate. Even if you run away, he's with you in the running and he's there at the destination. (laughs) He camped out in us. He's not letting go. He's not going away because he's seen you in your worst and you joined you in it on purpose. So there's nothing you can do that will frighten him away, push him away, or persuade him that he made the wrong choice. He already knows you. 
He knows everything about you. The best, the average, and the absolute worst. And he still says, I love you and I'm thrilled with you. How can this be? It can be because he's God. And we need to fashion him in, not in our own image. Too often we've made him like us because we would never do that without his help. Are you, are you with me? We wouldn't put that much delight in someone who was that screwed up. But he does. He's like, yay, it's Hope Church. It's you and you and you. Like, wow, we're in the party. And sometimes we're sitting there going, can't see it, can't feel it. It's like, you'll get there. Because he meets you where you are. It is a relationship. It's not a relationship with a bulldozer. It's a relationship with a person. So he knows you. He knows where you are. And he hooks up with you exactly where you are today. He honors you. Shall we, shall we pray? Shall we stand just to kind of move our bodies? <laughs> it's, uh, Father, I, I ask you, you would show us that you're better than we ever thought you were. I ask you that each one of us would see that you have set up as Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit enterprises inside of us. You paid the price, you had the cunning strategy, and nothing and no one is going to dig you out. <laughs> and you don't want out. You want in because we're your kids and you've done everything possible in your divine nature to include us back in to your fellowship. So, Father, we want to hear you. We want to receive you from the inside out. We want to hear what you're saying on the inside of us. We want to trust your voice, trust your presence, trust your word. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your delight in us. Your presence in us and your presence on us. Yes. And we thank you, Father, that it's your joy about us, in us for us that's our strength yeah. amen <laughs>